Good morning, church. It's wonderful to see you. I love it. I want to I want to do something out of the norm. I want to call up Johnny and Lauren. Come up here. Get up here now. You don't have an option. Not a chance. These two have come back home to us from Guatemala. would flood them in this season. We, we thank you, God, that we can trust you with everything back in Guatemala, all of Johnny's family, God. We just entrust them to your care. And Father, we just pray that this breakthrough of their arrival here is just the start of them seeing your provision over and over and over and over. We thank you for Johnny and Lauren. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, uh, before we get started in worship, ugh, I'm just so excited. This is the first time I've seen them today, so I couldn't just like not say hi to them. Uh, Thursday night, the worship team and I were, were chatting about just how it kind of seems a little bit odd to, to sing about peace in our world right now when there's just so much turmoil. Like, we're going to be singing at the end of the service, Noel, which I think means good news, and it just feels inappropriate because that's not how I would define the season of our world and yet uh, I, I know that worship is a protest of the darkness and if y'all remember this little story in Acts 16 can I just read that real quick I'm gonna start at verse 25 this is what happens when you worship in a dark space okay about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This is the power of just a couple worshipers. So how many worshipers do we have in this space, right? So this morning, I dare sing about peace 
I dare sing that God is on the throne because he is. Amen. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a
getting started. And I didn't officially invite y'all up, but you know by now you are welcome to the front here to practice communal worship, getting all cozy. Yes. If you haven't heard the family sing over you and around your shoulders, you're missing out. You really are. And yet you are free to worship and bless his name anywhere in this, in this room.
no idea how darker, how much darker the world would be without the worship of his people. To us, we just don't even think about all that he holds back, that the Father holds back the darkness. We don't even think about it. We take it for granted. The church is not dying in the world. We are actually, the kingdom of God is expanding because the kingdom never shrinks. So we play an active role and we get to push back the darkness. And if Paul and Silas, just a couple of them, could bring salvation to a whole family, what did we just do this morning? I don't know, maybe we push back darkness for miles beyond our church house. No way, no way, no came to the earth no one would have even noticed had it not been proclaimed and revealed took angelic visitation and proclamation miracles signs and wonders for a few people to even recognize that the king had come because of the humility and the lowly way that he came in because of the way that he identified with us and his being born into the world that he would save Jesus is so lowly and so humble, and his way seems so lowly and humble and backwards to so many. But revelation changes that in us. It changed it for us, that we could see him in his true glory and his beauty, that we could see him as the Lord over all the world. We could see him as the Messiah. It took revelation, something happening spiritually inside of us for that to happen. And it's gonna take the same thing for every other person. Flesh and blood don't reveal it. It's the spirit that's revealing that. It's the Father who's revealing who Jesus is all across the world. So the next couple of minutes, what I'd like you to do is, as a part of your worship, would you begin to intercede? Would you begin to contend and pray for spiritual revelation of who Jesus is. Just like Saul is an enemy of, of Jesus, but there's a moment where he has revelation of who Jesus is. And it wasn't that Saul was defeated or that he was resisted. It was that he had revelation of who Jesus was. And it turned someone who was a persecutor of the church into a brother in the family of God and someone who was proclaiming the good news of King Jesus. Would you take just a few minutes let the Lord put people on your heart. Let the Lord put situations on your heart. 
just begin to pray and to intercede on their behalf that just as Jesus was revealed to you, that they would have a revelation of who Jesus is that leads them to faith and leads to salvation and new life inside of them. Over the next few minutes, church, let's begin to pray. Jesus, Savior of all the world, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, would there be continued revelation of your Lordship, continued revelation of you being the Messiah and all of our faith and all of our trust, all of our allegiance in you and in you alone. God, thank you for the new life you've given it by us, by your spirit poured out in us teach us to continue to live in that new life. And Lord, we continue to pray. Lord, reveal yourself. Lord, to our spouses, reveal yourself to our children, reveal yourself to parents and brothers and sisters. God, would you reveal yourself to our friends or reveal yourself to our coworkers, reveal yourself to the Lord, the people of the city and, and the, the nations, Lord, that you've put on our heart. We pray a continued revelation of you, Lord, that's leading to faith, that's leading to salvation, that's leading to the expansion of your kingdom here and now on this earth. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we thank you for the honor that it is and being partners with you in your ministry of reconciliation. Continue to teach us how to partner with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.
Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to be here with you today. Radiant Kids, you are dismissed. Uh, six years old through eighth grade. Um, you're dismissed. Your room leaders are in the back here at the door and they will escort you to your rooms. And parents, you can pick up your kids after service lets out in the Radiant Kids Ministry area. If you haven't checked your kids in, I know sometimes it can be easier to forget to do that. Just bring them in here. If you can go um, and, and get your kids checked in, that would be awesome as well. Uh, coming up, we have New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve. I got that backwards. Christmas Eve first, and then New Year's Eve are coming up. And since they're uh, the holidays, people kind of want to know what the schedule is for us. Well, since New Year's Eve is on a Sunday, we're just going to do our normal schedule. We're having our 9.30 a.m. prayer meeting. Encourage you to come out to that. It's just an incredible time with the Lord and with the family, praying and interceding. And then um, we have 10.30 for our service, like you're at right now. And it's going to be a family service. The kids will all be in here with us. And then also on New Year's Eve, same thing, 9.30 prayer service, 10.30 family service, all the kids in here with us. And for that one, we're going to spend some time looking back at what the Lord has done over this last year. And so if you have some testimonies of things that the Lord has done, we would love to know that so that we can share some of those. You don't have to be like, do I have to get up on stage? No, like we'll actually just read out some of the stories of what it is that the Lord is doing so that takes pressure off of you. But if the Lord's done something that you want to share as a testimony to give glory to Him and also to build faith in others, uh, let us know. You can send us a message from the face, yeah, Facebook page. You can send us a message from our website. Um, whatever it is, talk to us, but let us know what it is that the Lord has done so that we can celebrate that with uh, the whole family. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 are the two passages we're going to be looking at today. And today we're actually talking about the big give, which if you've been around uh, for more than a year, it's every year we have something we do called the big give of where we take up an offering that we're giving to what the Lord is doing um, not just like, you know, here on our Sunday mornings, but what the Lord is doing outside of these four walls. And uh, some of the things we've done in the past is we uh, adopted an elementary school one year and we bought winter clothing for every single kid. I was actually just texting Amanda, who was my assistant at that time. I was like, hey, we're doing the big gift today. And I remember when you had to buy 87,000 pairs of boots from 13,000 different websites, and it was really awesome. It's like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> she didn't really, it was just traumatic for her. But uh, like just transforming a school and blessing people and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Last year, raising $40,000 for Pastor Abraham in India to help build a school that would be able to become the, the source of all of the income and funding for their ministry and what they're doing. So it's been really cool. Um, but a, a part of this ties into the vision that the Lord has given us as a house. And that is to be generous and to use the wealth that we as Americans have. And we are incredibly incredibly wealthy. And we might not feel that way because our standards of living and our comparison to other people is so high that a lot of us, even though we're very rich, might not even realize that we're rich. Um, and I, part of what the Lord is doing is, is he's called us as a house to use the wealth that we have been blessed with, not just for what's happening right here, but to be a blessing to those who are outside of this house. And the dream is giving millions of dollars away into demonstrating the kingdom of God millions of dollars. And you might say, yeah, I love that vision, or oh gosh, why on earth would we do that? Or how is that even possible? Um, and I think the best question is always to come down back to, why is that the vision? 
Why is this the vision for this house? Why is it that we are committing ourselves to doing this? Why is it that every year we build into a rhythm of trying to give extravagantly and generous to what's happening outside of our Sunday mornings? And I think it always has to come back to what is God's vision? In our culture, you're taught, have a vision for everything you do, for the way you brush your teeth, have a vision, for the way you tie your shoes, like have a vision that you're doing all this stuff and just become like corporate jumbo, like it doesn't even make sense. And so you can apply that even to the church of, you know, this is the vision for the church and this is why, well, why? Because this is what we wanted to do. Now, when it comes to vision, it comes down to what is the Lord's vision? Because he is the pastor of Radiant Church. He is the leader of all the church. And so he's the one who gets to set the vision for what it is that we do. And now there's many, many, I'm so grateful there's so many expressions and local gatherings of the church in every nation. And so he will have us do different things and put different emphasis on us and in different houses. That's a part of his leading. But one of the things that he's called the church to do is to be generous in the way that we give. This is a part of his vision, not just for Radiant Church. It might be something that he's highlighting for us, but it's a part of his vision for the church worldwide, is that we are to be people who are partnering with him through our giving. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, what's happened is, uh, we talk about Genesis and Revelation probably more than any two books in the scripture, and that's good. You should know how it started and you should know how it's ending. And then that helps you understand what it is that we're supposed to be doing now. But in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord is, is working out this plan, these first glimpses of how he's going to redeem and restore the world. And he does this through entering into a covenant with Abraham, who at this time is still called Abram. And this is what he says to Abraham. He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what God is doing and what he's also calling us to today as family members who've been grafted into the family of Abraham, that's what every single one of us are. We've been grafted into the family of Abraham, the family of God, is that he's revealing that what he's calling us to do is to partner with him in bringing his blessing to all the nations. He's calling us to join him in bringing his kingdom to all people. He wants to bless not just Abraham, he wants to bless all the families of the earth, that they're all going to be blessed through him. And part of what he says is that he's going to pour out blessing over him not so that he can just be rich and be famous and enjoy all of that, but he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. God has blessed us, not just for our own provision, although I'm so grateful that he is our source of provision and he does provide for us, but he's given us more than we need so that we can partner with him in bringing his blessing to all the families of the earth. What an incredible privilege and an honor it is that even though God could have done all of this himself, 
He could be the one who, he does all of the blessing, he does it all by himself, we just are spectators in it, but he doesn't do that. That's not his desire, and that wasn't his design for the way that the world works. When you look at Eden, when it's this Adam and Eve dwelling perfectly with God, he still gives them a partnership with him. This is what I want you to do. I want you to tend the garden. I want you to care for it. I want you to create family so that the entire earth can become a place where his goodness and his order and his beauty and glory and where the family of God dwells and exists with him forever. He could have done this himself, but from the beginning, he called humanity to partner with him and what he is doing. And he's restored that to us. Even though we had rejected him, he had not rejected us. And he has not given up on the way that this world will be. It will be us partnering with him to bring his goodness, his beauty, and his order to cover the face of the earth and to bring his blessing to all families of the earth. And that it will be, once again, Eden, but even better because when we see in Revelation at the end, it's the, like the whole earth is transformed and the new Jerusalem comes down. This is massively huge and expansive. And that means that's the place where the people of God, the whole family, every nation, tribe and tongue, all of those who put their faith in Jesus dwell together in perfect unity with him on this earth forever. Jesus has not abandoned his plans for the earth and he has not abandoned his plans for humanity. He invites us to join him and he pours out blessing over us so that we can bring his blessing to others. Now this confronts two lies that we believe and our culture has told us that if you're doing well, it's because you are a self-made person. You worked hard enough, you you had enough grit and determination, you had enough drive, you had a good idea, you were connected enough, whatever it is that made it so that you have attained what you have for yourself, that you have become your own source of provision. And now I am not saying that you should not work hard, that you should not have good ideas, that you should not have grit and determination. You absolutely should have those things. But even if you have all of those things, it's not enough. He is the ultimate source of provision for us. We are not our own provider. He is. And the second lie that we believe is that we can use what we have however we want. If we're the ones who have acquired these things for ourselves through our own ingenuity and hard work, then that means that I get to do whatever it is that I want with the things that I have. But God reveals to us that every blessing we have, every good gift comes from him, that he alone is our provider. And he has given us our blessings, not so that we can do whatever we want with them and and live a large life, but he's given us blessings so that we can partner with him in bringing his blessing to others. And when we give, when we join in and we partner with God in giving blessing from him to others, this is what happens. And this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And the church in Jerusalem has become very, very poor. Uh, And so what Paul is doing is he's taking up an offering from other churches that are in the surrounding areas and other nations. And it's a gift that's coming from uh, the Gentile church to the church in Jerusalem that is mostly Jewish. 
And it's this demonstration of love. We see you in your need. We see that you're in poverty. We see that you don't even have food for yourself. And so we're going to partner with God in using the blessing that he's given us to now bless you, to bring his blessing to you through us as vessels. And this is what it says. It says in verse six, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So key, don't give reluctantly or give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they shall freely and, generously, they shall freely and give generously to the poor their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift to Wonderful for Words. When we partner with God to bring his blessing to others through our giving, it says two things happen. Number one, a need is met in the name of Jesus. There are real needs all across this earth. There are real needs inside of this house. There are real needs down the street. There is no lack of need in this world. And when we use the resources that God has generously given us, and we do that in his name, meaning we're doing this according to his will, we're doing this for his glory, we're doing this at his direction, a real need is met that brings glory to God. And this is what the result is. People thank God. People recognize God's goodness, they recognize his mercy, they recognize his care and his compassion for them. And it's not that you get a plaque, it's not that you get celebrated, because if that's what happens as a result of our giving, like we've missed it entirely. The end goal for our giving is that we see the real needs of people who are precious, created in the image of God met. We express the worth and value that they have, their humanity, and then they recognize that God has seen them and he has met their needs, so they give glory to God and they thank him for that. If that doesn't stir up your heart, these two things, like I want to see people who are poor or in need, I want them to see that need met because of the love that I have for them, because of the humanity that they have. If we don't feel that way, then there's something wrong with our hearts. Like we need the gospel to farther penetrate and farther break down the stony heart that we have so that instead we have fleshy hearts that love like Jesus loves. He's a love that even though he's 
equal with the Father. What we celebrate at Christmas is that he gave up the glory. He didn't hold on to equality with the Father, but he humbled himself and he took on human flesh and he lived amongst us and he dwelled with us and he gave of himself to the point of a death on the cross so that we might have life. And if we don't have that kind of love, then there's more of the gospel that needs to work and to penetrate our hearts. And, and hopefully what happens is you have a moment where your heart's broken and you see need and you're like, yes, Lord, like I want to give. My heart's moved so that I want to see people who are hungry fed. I want to see people who are you know, unsheltered sheltered. I want to see people who don't have clothing clothed. Like all of these different things, our hearts should continually be led into that. And what happens is you, God moves on your heart and you give and you're like, oh, I have so much compassion and love for people and then he revisits you and he breaks your heart even more and you're like oh gosh like now I love even more and, and then he just keeps doing that over and over again and thank God for that that he's continually remaking and transforming our hearts to become like his and then what other greater desire should there be in us than that he would receive glory and praise and honor and others would have revelation of how good he is like those are the two things that should be motivating us is we want to see humanity, the image of God, dignified, and we want to see the kingdom demonstrated, and we want Jesus to receive glory as other people begin to recognize who he is and faith is built inside of them. These are the two things that happen when we partner with God in what is called the ministry of giving. Uh, you know, we have our... Uh, or prayer times at the end of services. And it's really cool because the Lord actually does ministry in our prayer times. And hopefully what happens when you listen to whoever's on the stage is you receive some instruction, some biblical instruction of how we live a life of faithfulness to Jesus. But ministry happens when you get together with other people and the Holy Spirit is gifting you and using you to minister to those who are there with you. That's beautiful, deep ministry. One time there was um, uh, someone who was even a, a guest here. I was praying with some people and uh, one of them was a college student and the student had need, they had like, you know, a tuition payment or something, or like some books they had to buy that day and they didn't even have money. What they, they didn't know how they were going to make that payment and they also didn't know how they were even going to get lunch and dinner that day after church. And so they were vulnerable enough to share that, like I need provision and so you know, the whole group, they're praying, Lord, would you be a provider for this, this student, Lord? You're a provider, would you provide? Everybody prays, everybody feels encouraged about that. And they go to walk out and then the Lord speaks to this guest who is here. He says, go back and ask them how much they need. How much do you need? $500. Pull out the checkbook. You know what that did in that college student? There is a God who sees me. I came into the family of God not knowing how I was gonna eat today. And the Lord moved on someone else's heart to use the resources that they had, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, not out of shame, none of those things, but just the Lord speaking and directing this individual to meet that need out of the resources the Lord had given to them. And need was met and glory was given to God. Like, isn't that the beauty of the church? Isn't that the way this should be? 
It's beautiful and it's good. And that's the kind of life that we've been invited into. It's a life of recognizing that Jesus has called us not just into the ministry of reconciliation with him, but a part of the way we do that is through the ministry of our giving. Just as God blessed Abraham and gave him great resources so that he could be a blessing to others, God has given us in the church in America, not for every person, I recognize that. You can be in America and be poor, you can be in America and be strapped, like that's a reality. But I'm just speaking as a generalization that we have great wealth in general. And the Lord didn't give it to us so we keep buying better houses and better cars and have an even better retirement and all of these other things that our culture tells you you should be investing in. But he calls you to say no to some of the things that you could do for yourself so that you can partner with him in bringing his blessing and the demonstration of his kingdom to all the families who are around you. And he's so good that he will even lead you into how it is that he's calling you to partner with him in his giving. And so I wanna give you a little bit of a framework in these last few minutes about how it is that we give. And the first realization you need to have is that you cannot meet the need of the world. You could give every penny you have away and it would be a drop in the ocean. I don't know, like, we don't have like, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos here, but... (laughs) Like you could give everything away and it would be a drop. And so what it does in us is it makes us feel like, why even bother? Because there's so much need. You weren't called to meet the whole need of the world. Jesus does that. Jesus is the one who is responsible for meeting the need of the world. You don't have to live with that pressure. You don't have to live with anxiety and fear because if you start getting like, excited and involved in giving and, and recognizing how God's called you to use your resources, one of the things that can happen is as you become aware of the need, it can overwhelm you and it can crush you and you don't live with peace. That's not the life God's called you to live. Jesus is the one who's responsible for meeting the need of the world. You alone cannot do that, but we all have a part to play. Even Abraham could not have met the need of the whole world, and God didn't call him to do that. But he did call him to play a part. He did give him resources and blessings so that he could give in his sphere of influence with the people that he had contact with. You have a sphere of influence. You have family members, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have coworkers, you have you know, a church family that's around you. We have relationships with people in India. We have relationships, you know, all these different things. And the Lord has given you those and he's given you resources not to meet the needs of the whole world, but he's called you to play a very specific role in meeting some of the needs that he's directing you to in your sphere of influence. Uh, and, and that's so important for us to get a hold of. And it's just like the gifts of the spirit. He hasn't given any of us all of the gifts of the spirit because we're supposed to come together in unity as the body. And it says we come together, you see the fullness of God and the fullness of the gifting. He's done that with the gift of giving. None of us can or are called to give to meet the need of the world. But as every one of us under the lordship and direction of Jesus follow his lead and how he's calling us to give and who he's calling us to give to, we can trust that he is meeting the needs around the world as other followers of Jesus are faithful to what he's calling them to. You don't have to meet the needs of the world, but you do have an important part to play. And we are stewards. 
We aren't owners. We aren't masters. What scriptures make clear over and over again is that we are stewards of everything we have. Every resource you have, I think about that. Like with my money, it's not just that I tithe and, and like the other 90% is mine. It's the full 100% of all of my money is his. But he's given it to me to steward in his, in his name. Even it's not just my money. It's my house. It's my cars. It's clothes. It's like, you know, guitars. I don't know what I really have. Like, I, like everything I have, the shoes on my feet, like all of this is his and I am a steward of it. And what I have to do as a steward is to use these resources according to his will. And uh, we have to use every resource that we have according to his will. Everything we have is his. Everything he's given us is a blessing, but everything he's given us, he has the freedom and the right to direct us in how it is that he wants us to use it. And so here's what Anna and I do often, ask God for direction. We're just crazy enough to believe that God speaks. I'm grateful for the scriptures. Like he speaks to me every single day through the scriptures. But when it comes to the big give offering, I can't find a chapter and verse that tells Anna and I how much we should be giving and who we should be giving it to. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit in us leads us and that he still speaks. Now, he's not going to speak anything that goes outside of, of scriptures. It's always gonna be in alignment with scripture and what he's revealed to us, but he still speaks to us. I know that can be such a contentious issue in the church to believe that God still speaks. But when we look at scripture in the life of Jesus and the life of disciples, it was them following the leading of the Spirit. And as they did that, they were partnering with God in incredible, beautiful ways, and we are still called to do the same. So when it comes to giving, ask God for direction. Lord, I'm your steward. Thank you for trusting me with all of these different resources. What do you want me to do with them? And it says in here, the way that we give it now is we give freely and we give without compulsion. Isn't that beautiful? I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen people or maybe even been in churches where like people are guilt tripping you and, and trying to shame you into giving. And if you do this, you'll get that. I need like a first seat of $1,000 and you'll get 10,000 back. And it's like, it feels like you're trying to play the banker in Monopoly. And you're like, oh wait, what now? Wait, who gets what here? And, uh, that's not what the scriptures say. We give freely and without compulsion. Because it even says, the Lord doesn't live a compulsed giver, a guilt-ridden giver. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So don't give reluctantly. Don't give out of compulsion. Give freely as he leads and as he directs you to give. And the Lord has been strangely specific in the way that he's asked Anna and I to give at different times and we've asked him in different big gives. We'll go to separate rooms and spend some time praying and we'll get the same number. And I'll be like, uh, what, do you th what do you feel like we're supposed to give? He's like, you go first. I'm like, no, you go first. <laughs> and they're like, we'll hold up the paper. And it's like, <laughs> okay, we have confirmation. This is what the Lord's asking us to do. There's also been times we've had opportunities to give to things and we pray about it. We're like, you know what? I don't think we're supposed to give to this. 
This is a good thing. We believe in, in what this is and we see the need. But as we ask the Lord of our resources, what he would have us do, I feel like he's telling us not to do that right now. And then there'll be something else that comes up later. I'm like, ah, this is why we didn't have us give to this because he wanted us to give to that thing in the future. And so when it comes to how you give, recognize we have a ministry of giving we've been called to. We are going to partner with the Lord, but we submit even our own desires, even good desires to want to meet every need that we see, we submit those to his lordship and his leadership. Ask him for his direction and how he would you give, have you give so that you can give freely and without compulsion. And then give according to his heart. Now, there are times, um, you know, you're walking downtown and, and someone comes up and they'll ask you for money. I'm at a, a place financially of where I'm able to meet needs for people that need a sandwich. Like, I know not everybody can do that. When I was in college, like, oh my gosh, like, I, like, I don't like if people still had cash back then. It's like, oh gosh, like, I don't know. I literally can't give. But now if someone comes up and is like, hey, I, I need a sandwich or that's for money. Like, hey, I can't give you money, but I can buy you lunch. Like, let's stop in here real quick. Let me buy you lunch. And I'll sit with them and I'll talk with them, dignify them, show them love, encourage them. Like, that's just giving according to God's heart. If you have the resources, when someone asks you for a sandwich, give them a sandwich. If you have the resources, when someone's asking you for a, a cup of water, you give them a cup of water. But there's needs that every single human is worthy of and have the dignity of and that we're called to meet those needs. And so when we're giving, it's always, Lord, what is your heart? Like, I don't necessarily feel called to give to buy people private jets. Like, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's giving according to the heart of the Lord. But there's a lot of things when I give. I want to give so that real needs are being met. I want to give so that the blessings and resources God has given me are distributed to others in his name and so that he receives glory for them. And when it comes to giving according to his heart, we also do it for his glory. Uh, you know, there's something in our culture that Whenever you give or whenever you do anything, you wanna post it. Like, you go and serve in an orphanage in Africa and like, you gotta like take pictures, like use orphans as props. Like, eh, look at me, like just doing a good work here, serving Jesus. You've turned people into props. When you wanna give, like, well, I wanna give. Have you ever like sat on a bench somewhere and it's someone's name on it and you're like, who? Like, now I feel weird sitting on that. Like, I, like, we're not giving so that our name is made famous. We're not giving so that we receive glory. We're not giving so other people look at us and view us as their source of provision. When we give, we do it in a way so that he receives the praise. We do it in a way so that he receives the glory. We do it in a way so that people recognize that it's not we who are their providers, but it's him. One of the things I love about the way that Pastor Abraham um, uses all of the resources that come into his ministry to support different orphans and pastors and, and destitute women is he never tells them where the money comes from. He says, the Lord has provided for you. I've had people like, hey, can, you know, can I like send them a card for this person and, you know, do these different things? Or, you know, I, I'm like, how come they're not sending me a thank you card for the, you know, the generous donation? 
that I made because that's American discipleship. If I gave, like, I should get some thanks or some recognition for this. I said, no, no, you don't understand. We don't want people who are receiving funding from you to think that you are the one who provided it for them. We want them to know that their Father in heaven saw them in their need and he moved on the hearts of others to meet that need in obedience to him. That's the way we give. That's all people need to know. The Father loves you, the Father sees you, and he has moved to meet your need. And here's the three ways that we're giving this year. And I would have you prayerfully give, pray about how you would give. And there's three options. Number one is Christ for India. Their license has not been taken away yet. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, the date of it has been pushed back into next year. So we're still able to give to Christ for India. And so if you, the Lord moves on your heart, we wanna be a part of uh, you know, funding what the Lord is doing there through the caring for those who have no parents to meet their needs, their medical, give them a place to live, an education for them. We're doing that, and it's providing for pastors who are going into unreached places. And you know who runs the places where these kids who don't have parents live? They live in the church, and the, the pastors are the parents to these kids. So it's like a, a one-stop place. We have a church and we have a place where the real needs of orphans are being met and they have a family that they're a part of. So we will continue to give into that. So if you wanna give into Christ for India, by all means do that. The other thing is uh, we're gonna be giving into locally. If you have a heart for what the Lord is doing here and he's moving you, I wanna be a part of meeting the needs of uh, people who are even a part of this family who are on hard times. Like we have this decision, nobody's ever going without food in this house. But that just will not happen. We are the family of God. Nobody's ever gonna be without food here. If you wanna be a part of giving into you know, our benevolence giving so that we're able to meet the needs of people who are here, or even um, like we've given to in our city, like warming shelters before, because we can't do a warming shelter here. We don't have what is required for doing that. It's, you have to have real high, <laughs> like to be able to do things, the state requires that you have a lot of things or else you can't help. And so we can't do that. But there are other churches who are able to have warming centers and we're able to say, hey, we can't do this ourselves, but here's a thousand dollars to help with some of your costs that are associated with that. Because we believe in the church of Jesus Christ, not just Radiant Church, but the, the church. And so if you wanna give into what's happening here locally and the Lord's moving on your heart to do that, then you can give into Big Give Local. And here's the third one, and this is something that I'm pretty excited about, to be quite honest. Some of you may pray about how the Lord would have you give. And like, I don't really feel like he's moving on me to give to Christ for India. I don't really feel like he's calling me to give into you know, this local fund that we're doing. But here's what I'd have you do, is to pray if there is a neighbor a friend, a coworker, a family member, someone that you have relationship and influence with that you know that there's a need, maybe the Lord would have you meet that need. You don't have to give through the church to give as the church. There's power and when we come together in unity and doing some of these things, like you see here, it's the church is collecting an offering, specifically going to Jerusalem. That's like us doing an offering to give into India. But as believers who are led by God's spirit, there are gonna be all sorts of people that you come into contact with who the Lord is going to direct you to use the resources he's given you to steward over to use to meet their need. 
that one gets scary. Because just because you see a need doesn't mean the Lord's gonna have you meet that. And he might have you do something crazy. Have you ever heard about people like giving away houses or cars or you know, like different things like that? You're like, that'd be awesome. Well, <laughs> here's your chance. <laughs> Everything you have is his. The coat that you have, maybe you have a neighbor that needs a winter coat. Maybe Lord would have you go get them a winter coat. Maybe you've seen that person that's walking like, oh my gosh, they need some boots. Maybe the Lord would have you get some boots for them. But this is a great opportunity to learn to live a life of hearing how he would have you direct the resources he's given you, not just once a year into a big give fund we do as a church, but we will keep doing that and keep having that rhythm to our life. But every day he could speak to you at any given time and have you freely and without compulsion, give to meet the need of someone that you come into contact with for his glory and for his provision to them. So let's pray about this. Throughout the entire month of December, we're gonna close it down on uh, January 1st. So pray about it, get with the Lord and pray. How would he have you give? What would he have you give? If you wanna give to Big of India, uh, you can do that online or in person. There's a box on the back left there. Uh, you can put on the envelope or on the check, Big Give India or Big Give Local to denote where it is that you want it to go to, what the Lord's leading you to. Same online, you go to radiantA2.com, you can go to Give and you can choose Big Give India or Big Give Local. And those are two ways you can give. And maybe the Lord will have you not give to either of those, but he will have you give to someone else that he's going to put on your heart so that you can partner with him. However it is that he leads you, we can partner with him in using the resources that he's entrusted to us to bring his blessing to those who are around us. And as we give, there's no goal, there's no number, there's no metric we're trying to hit to say this is successful. This is just purely the Lord's leading and our faithfulness to whatever it is that he's leading us into. And as we do that, uh, two thing, a couple of things are gonna happen. Uh, one, needs are going to be met. Two, people are going to praise and glorify Jesus. And three, what does it say happens when we give? Like there's a joy and a new level of life that we experience inside of us because it's Christ-like to give. It's his leading, it's the new life that we've been called into when we give. And there's a joy that comes from joining Jesus in his ministry. Oh Lord, we love you and we trust you. Thank you for the ministry of giving. Thank you that we get to partner with you in giving. And Lord, would you speak to us? Help us to understand that we're stewards. Help us to hear and to discern your voice to partner with you in the ministry of giving. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth, here in Ann Arbor, here in India, as it is in heaven. We love you and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. Well, now's the time where we get to break into some groups to do some praying. Um, and obviously this isn't forced or anything. Ushers aren't locking the doors, but 
One of my favorite things we do as a church is we get together in groups of four, six, eight, and we just spend some time praying and encouraging each other. And this is a great way to grow into what it means to be a person of prayer and a great way to grow into learning to minister to each other through the gifts that God has given you. So I encourage you, pray. When you're done praying for each other, go grab some coffee, enjoy making some friends. Uh, love you all, God bless, and we will see you next week.